then at the beginning of Esther chapter 3, we are introduced to another self-promoter, and his name was Haman. Now, I can tell by your silence when I read his name that you are not familiar uh, with uh, the traditions of uh, Purim. Whenever in Jewish tradition uh, they celebrate Purim, they tell the story of Esther, and they talk about Haman. Now, in, in, in Hebrew, it's pronounced Haman. In English, it's Haman. So I, sometimes I'll say it either way, so excuse me if I just say it and don't think. But every time, every time you hear Haman or Haman, the tradition is at Purim, uh, Purim when, when that story is being told, that the people hear his name and they boo and hiss. That's what they're supposed to do, okay? So, you know, out of, out of honor of that, here's what we need to do. Every time you hear me say, Haman, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there should be booing and hissing, all right? Now think about it. This is an evil guy, okay? So again, every time you hear the name Haman, boos and hisses. All right, I think we've got it. Okay, so we're good. But I want to give you a real quick background, then we're going to jump into the, into the scriptures. King Ahasuerus had promoted Haman. <laughs> Let me try it again. King Ahasuerus promoted Haman. And he promoted him above all of the princes. The king even instructed everyone within the king's gate to bow down and pay homage to Haman. <laughs> yeah. However, Mordecai did not bow down. And it was noticed by the king's servants. And they informed Haman. <laughs> Boo, yes. When Mordecai explained that he would not bow down to Haman, <laughs> because Mordecai, is, he's not going to bow down because he is a Jew. And Haman, <laughs> come on now, Haman. I mean, this is, think of it this way. He is a picture of sin, all right? So we need to boo and hiss it, right? I mean, you, he's a picture of sin every time. Haman <laughs> became enraged. And as a result, Haman wanted to destroy all the Jews. So, with that in mind, I mean, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to destroy. He wanted to annihilate the Jews. So with that in mind, Esther chapter 3, let's pick up at verse 8. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people of all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all the other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it's not fitting for the king to let them remain. Isn't that significant? I mean, think about all that background, what they're saying right now. They're saying they're in all of the provinces, every single one of them. 127 provinces 
throughout the kingdom. But these people, there's something different about them. They have a different set of standard that they're living by. Verse 9, if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and he gave it to Haman. Mm. The son of Hamidatha, the Agagite. Now here's what's interesting here. Let me pause there just for a moment because you know you wonder who are the Agagites. Um, Agag is not a country or nation or province. Agag is a person. In fact, uh, he is he is a ruler uh, or was a ruler over the Amalekites. Those were the enemy of the people of Israel. In other words, he was already an enemy of Israel long before any of this happened. He didn't like Israel to begin with because he's a descendant. Uh, he comes from the Amalekite descendants, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, and the king said to Haman, <laughs> and the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month, and a decree was written according to all that Haman had commanded to the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to its script, to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed by the king's signet ring, and the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, on one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. A copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province, being published for all people that they should be ready for that day. And the couriers went out, hastened by the king's command. And the decree was proclaimed in Shushan the citadel so that the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. Now, why is all of that important? Let me give you key point number one, and then we'll unpack it. Key point number one is this. We must be on the lookout for the devil and his schemes. We've got to be looking for it. Now, here's why I had you do what I had you to do, okay? Here's why we did that, that, that exercise that is tradition to Purim. Just as in the tradition of Purim, where they boo and hiss at the name of Haman, <laughs> it should remind us to be alert and watchful. To be alert, to be watchful. Because the enemy is always, always seeking to attack. But let's be honest, even that exercise was difficult at times, right? 
we get distracted or we start thinking about something else and then only one or two people boo and hiss and, and then I'm reminded, oh yes, I'm supposed to participate. That's the same way it is with recognizing evil and sin and the devil and his schemes. So easily distracted that sometimes we forget to be on the lookout. Just as, as it's difficult to listen for a name. 1 Peter 5 eight says, be sober, be vigilant or watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So don't fool yourself into believing that the devil want, doesn't want to destroy you because he wants to destroy you every bit as much as he wanted to, de- to destroy the diaspora. So the question is, why did the devil want to destroy the diaspora? Well, ultimately, the answer to that is because he wanted to put a stop to God's plan of spreading the gospel. That was his purpose. That's what the devil wanted to do. He wanted to put a stop to God's plan of spreading the gospel. So let me ask you, why do you think Satan wants to destroy you? For the same reason. The same reason that he wanted to destroy the diaspora. Because he wants to put a stop to God's plan of spreading the gospel. Have you ever noticed that you face more obstacles in getting your family ready and going to go to church on Sunday than any other day of the week? <laughs> Why is that? I'm telling you, it's a spiritual thing. You don't have the same challenges any other week, do you, Joseph? I mean, you, you get up, you, you're, you're getting ready, you, you know, and, and most days, you know, most days you have less time to get ready than you do even on Sundays. Sundays you, you have a little bit more time even. It's a little later in the day and you think, okay, this, is, this should be easy, right? And then it's not. And then, get this, I got news for you, Joseph, Ashley, even after the kids are gone, <laughs> it's still there. Can you believe that? Is that not crazy? It's not, listen, there's a reason. Cheryl and I brought two different cars to worship this morning. You know, why? Because we know, listen, the devil's going to do anything and everything he can to, to create conflict. He's going to do everything he can to destroy. And he is looking for those windows of opportunity to discourage you and hinder your worship. Why? Because it's in your worship of gathering together with other believers that's in that moment that you're going to be motivated to continue to carry out the mission that God has us on. And that's to spread the gospel. So if he can hinder us in some way, he'll do it. And he'll attack every single family if it's necessary. The late pastor Adrian Rogers, one of my heroes of the faith, he once said this. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. I'm afraid that too many Christians have become so busy that they're no longer being watchful. We have become so busy 
with our lives and with the things around us that we are no longer on the lookout for the things that are evil. And we're no longer calling those things out and booing and hissing and saying, I want nothing to do with that evil. Perhaps we are so surrounded by evil that we no longer recognize it, that we've become used to it in our midst, that we expect to see it, and we've stopped booing and hissing because, well, nobody else is joining in. I mean, think about it, you know, when, when if, if I didn't stop every time I said the name Haman, <laughs> every time I said the name Haman, if, if it were just got down to one person who was still booing and hissing, it'd be easier the next time around for others to drop out, right? Well, nobody, nobody booed and hissed last time, especially it gets down to that one, right? You get discouraged and you go, and nobody did it. Well, I guess I won't, I won't next time. We do the same thing with the evil around us. We stop recognizing it. We stop booing and hissing at the, at the evil. We still no longer call it out. We no longer call sin, sin. And as a result, what do we do? We, are found, we find ourselves sitting silent because it's easier. And we don't say anything at all. Proverbs 6 describes the behavior of a wicked man. In fact, every single descriptor in Proverbs 6 of this wicked man could be said of Haman. (laughs) It's easy to listen, isn't it, for a specific name and boo and hiss. But let me ask you this. Would you recognize the characteristics of that same man? Listen to Proverbs 6, verse 12 and following. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, shuffles his feet, points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. Now, listen to these next four verses. These are significant. These six things the Lord hates... Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. Now, let's, let, we can pause on the Haman just for a moment. <laughs> Was he proud? Yeah. A lying tongue? Was Haman a liar? Hands that shed innocent blood? Does that describe him? Yeah. A heart that devises wicked plans? Yeah, that's him. Feet that are swift and running to evil? Yeah, that's him. A false witness who speaks lies? Now, how is that different from a lying tongue? A false witness who speaks lies is someone who is trying to cause their speaking falsely about someone else, like an entire people group, like the Jewish people. Is that him? Yeah. How about one who sows discord among brethren? Listen, I've even seen some of these. I've even seen some of these characteristics of people in the church. I've seen it. I've served in churches and I've served people and I've seen people in the church act this way. When we see it, we got to boo and hiss and say, 
I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I don't need to be around that. So be on the lookout for the devil and his evil schemes.